As the 21st century automotive world evolves and new electric vehicle technologies are introduced, new leaders will emerge on the landscape. The EV Power Podcast by RPM News takes you behind the headlines as your guide to this new generation of sustainable transportation. And welcome, everybody, to the EV Power Podcast, or should I say the Cyber Power Podcast, because this week we're going to talk about the Cybertruck. And with me, as always, is RPM co-founder Cyber Rich. Cyber, can I call you Cyber Rich? Would that be absolutely Cyber Pete? <laughs> yes, with the the cyber uh, the cyber twins. I don't know what what would that be. Uh, we'll just throw cyber in front of everything so it sounds high tech and futuristic. Oh yeah, <laughs> because that's we'll uh, that. no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I'm just trying to restrain my laughter. Oh, good, good. As long as I can make you laugh, then that makes one of us. Uh, yeah. So uh, this week we're obviously going to talk about what is probably one of the biggest. Uh, most anticipated vehicle releases in a long time, especially in the EV world. Of course, the Tesla Cybertruck has finally started deliveries, albeit to you know a handful of Tesla employees and people who are close to the Tesla company, which is what they do. That's what they've done in the past cars. They did that with the Model Three. They did that with the Model S Plaid. You know, so it's nothing new, but. So, uh, yeah, they're finally on the road. The car that a lot of critics said is just a joke. I've seen people call it a movie prop, something, a, a stock pump that will never happen, a vehicle that nobody will buy and will never see the light of day. I mean, the, the critics really threw a lot at it because it is very unconventional. So, you know, after constant, <laughs> it will never happen. Plus, of course, the constant delays didn't really help, you know, counter those arguments either, considering, you know, they introduced it back in 2019 well physically introduced it back in 2019 i believe they had talked about doing a truck for a couple of years before that so well you know it leads to a question that i have uh, the, my, my first question is that uh why so few right on the launch at this point uh, you know we do, you would think that they would kind of make sure that they're at a point where they can really muster enough production to do more than was it a, a dozen cars that they had for the this yeah. launch yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 true. You think that they would have sort of uh, stocked them up a little bit? I, I think that they just wanted to get them out the door. You know, sales are low, and the news has been constantly negative. I think they wanted to have some some positive news and show that they're actually doing it. And because you know, Tesla itself is being hammered by you know you have union issues that are going on, and and you know sales are slumping, and that's rightly so. The economy is not great everywhere, and. Uh, well, I think a, they, they needed a little bit of a boost, I think, you know, so they rushed it out a little bit. Yeah, you know, I guess you can't really blame them for wanting to do that uh, with all the expectations that have been out there for a number of years. What was it, 2019 when they did the first uh, debut? The infamous debut with the shattered, <laughs> the shattered window debut that weirdly got them more publicity for this truck than they ever would have had that not happened. That's the, the irony of it, you know, is... is that it got a lot of eyes on it because it was a major blunder, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And people uh, like to see shattered glass, right? Well, the thing is like, so they, they did an explanation. They, they, they did say that what they had practiced it out back before the show, obviously they practice these things. Well, sometimes not everybody does. I don't think Elon Musk practice. I think sometimes he just jumps out there, jumps out of his car and just goes on stage. But the, uh, you know, they, they said they had rehearsed that and what, 
they think might have happened was because they were doing it out back, they weakened the glass. So they didn't take into consideration that they didn't take that into consideration. So they'd already hammered it a couple times, like in, in a demo. So, I mean, that's, you know, who knows? That could just be them saying that. But the. Um, yeah, it sounds like a lame excuse if you really think about it. If you want, yeah, yeah, if you want to mean, advertise something but, as unbreakable glass, then you don't want it to only work like, you know, three or four times, you know? <laughs> right. Well, that's true. But the, you know, but the funny thing is, like, right before they did that, I don't know if you remember the event, but right before that, they had glass panels on on a, a on stage, not on a car, but just glass panels, and they had dropped metal balls on them and from different heights, and those had survived okay without any incident. So I don't know, you know, does it add a little, was it, who knows, might have been special glass. I mean, they love, Tesla loves, and Elon, you know, especially with the, like, even with the, the Tesla solar roof panels, they would shoot stuff at those to prove how strong they were because they were, you know, glass. What is it with all the shooting that he's, uh, he keeps talking about, you know, <laughs> making, making the Cybertruck bulletproof? Um, well, he, he does make a joke about that. In, uh if you go back and watch the original, Dave, he does make a little side quip that, uh, well, we live in California. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, actually, this day and age, maybe a bulletproof car is what people want. <laughs> maybe you need one. But well, I, I think the whole bulletproof thing is just a side. It's just a side you know, benefit, I guess it would be, of the construction of it, of the construction of the stainless steel and the thickness of it. So yeah. I don't think they set out to make a bulletproof car, but the, the stainless steel construction certainly, you know, helps that. Well, they certainly want to tout it, you know, like the way they're doing it they, they, is as though that this is like a feature, you know, when you look, put your list of things that you want in your vehicle, you know, uh, this is, uh, you know, supposed to be up there on the on the top of the list. It's a funny sort of thing because I thought we'd get to this maybe a little bit later in in the discussion of this. Oh. Um, and uh, you know, I I kind of don't want to be doing the like the good like the good cop bad cop kind of thing uh, with you. Right, right. Well, you you're taking the favorable side. I'm taking the negative. I <laughs> I don't really see it that way because I think I think what you know Elon has done is is uh, really he's he's raised the 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 level of of uh, attention to electric vehicles and and I, I can't argue with that. Uh, what what's kind oh, yeah. of peculiar to me is that he referred to it in the you know in in the video that I saw of the event itself, meaning the, the 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 current launch, which by the way, if I'm not mistaken, it had video of of the shattered glass you know playing in the background as they lobbed a, a baseball at the glass this time, and, and I mean it was really <laughs> a lob. Um, but uh, he said something that he, the term he used was it's a, apocalypse proof. And I thought, what a bizarre way to describe it. You know, I mean, it, to me, it, it really underscored the, the kind of cynicism that he has, which is, uh, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's more cynicism than genius. Well, some people call it juvenile, juvenile uh, thinking. Like he has a 14-year-old uh, brain, you know, a, a way of looking at things. Well, think about uh, this then is that, you know, you know, especially if he's going to use the word apocalypse, you know, is he planning for an apocalypse like in the next five to 10 years? Because if someone buys the car for the purpose of it being a, <laughs> a, apocalypse proof, um, you know, what are they expecting? You know, in five years, everything's going to go to, you know, just go to hell, right. as they say, you know, um, or just, uh, you know, some big catastrophe is going to happen. It's just kind of bizarre, I think, to, you know, try to hang your hat on that term. Um, it, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. to me, is is that, you know, what we all really look for is there's something that, you know, where you can have some sort of like a positive outlook on, on what's to happen. 
And if you're going to buy a vehicle, you know, you're going to be buying that vehicle knowing that probably within five to 10 years, you're going to be in a different vehicle. So, uh, you know, you see where I'm making this parallel is like, what is he, is he thinking there's going to be an apocalypse in five to 10 years? Uh, I don't or, know. Is, is Will he... the superchargers work when it happens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it right. brings up a lot of other questions when you start thinking of that. But anyway, but back to the truck. Let's kind of like really get into some of the meat and potatoes on this truck. It's uh... right. I, I, I did, I did want to talk about like the promises versus reality and the, and the stainless steel are, you know, exoskeleton does sort of play into that. We'll get into that a little bit later, but if we want to go over just sort of the, we'll go over sort of the basics of the, you know, the truck itself, starting with, you know, the, the trims and pricing. I mean, pricing was a major disappointment in, in terms of, you know, when they, first showed the truck if you go like i said go watch the original reveal they showed this big $39,000 price above Elon's head on the screen and the whole audience literally gasped at it like they like <gasps> you know right and he right. was very definitive in saying this truck will start at $39,000 he he didn't say might be not aiming not going to you know we're going to try it was it will start at $39,000 you know without without uh without credits and all that but now we're seeing of course the the base rear wheel drive which model hasn't it's, it won't be out till 2025 is is about 61,000 so we're right. starting you're starting getting into it and, and you know they, that's fine you know plans change prices change battery prices go up you know but that's twenty thousand dollar difference right right but they might actually be like a victim of their own success because now everyone's building evs and there's a boom on to buy lithium ion and you know, materials that go onto these batteries, not just lithium ion, but, you know, all kinds of materials. So now now that Tesla's sort of launched the EV world, going, you know, kicked them in the, in the butt, and now everybody's trying to do EVs, th that stuff goes up. All that, all the prices of that stuff goes up. So maybe they're a little bit of that, but, but that is a huge gap. I mean, that's... You know. Yeah. How many, how many of the people who put the $100 down for the deposit... Uh, thinking that maybe they were going to get a truck that can't, would come in at about $40,000. Now to see that yeah. uh, they'd have to still wait till 2025 to get a truck that comes in at uh, $60,990 um, yeah. or spend $79,990 for something to get it now. Uh, I, you know, I would think that some of those folks, as much as they may love Tesla or love the concept of an electric truck, or, I'll just love Elon for whatever reason, uh, might just say, well, maybe I should get my $100 back. And I, and I understand it is a refundable deposit that people were putting down, but he had, I don't know, thousands of people that were, were putting down $100. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it was... There was, oh, more than that. There was, um, I mean, the pre-order numbers, and like you said, uh, the price, see, I never really put a lot of stock in the pre-orders because the price was so low. In other words, like there's so many people who can't afford, you know, not me, to yeah. put a hundred dollars in something like that and go, well, I've got a cyber truck. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I, 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 I never really put a like some people are online saying, uh, oh, I, I put a down payment on like three of them. I'm gonna have one for my mother and one, you know, all these things. So the the number, the estimated number, the last one I'm looking at, is about two million pre-orders. Two million. Two million. That's oh. the estimated pre-orders. So you got to imagine they're not going to, all those are not going to convert. I mean, uh, I, I have to. Right. I, you would think not. But if, if only, even if, if a fraction of them convert and actually buy, then they're still doing pretty well. 
I mean, they don't need a million. Right. You know, right. they're not. It'll take them. It'll take them years to make a million of these anyway. So, I mean, that's not so bad. And and the uh, uh, and it's the same as the Model Three. The Model Three, they said, oh, it's going to be thirty-five thousand dollars, thirty-five thousand, and then it wasn't. And right. eventually, they went, well, it's 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 a premium car. You know, it's 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 more money. And after what four years of production, five years of production, they've still only got the Model Three down to thirty-eight thousand mm-hmm. without incentives and, and all that. Well, and also so, in terms of production, you know, on on the Cybertruck, as I understand it, uh, they're looking at maybe being able to produce two hundred and fifty thousand of the trucks per year. So, yeah, they wouldn't be able to satisfy all those orders for a couple of years at least. Yeah, I mean, and that's like I said, I, I I'm very skeptical of any numbers, especially since it's not official the numbers themselves. But then, you know, there are a lot of people who, will go, like I said, put that money down just so they can bragging rights to you know, have bragging rights to, you know, ordering something like right. this. So now, but, why, you know, so let, let's talk a little bit about the the 48 volt wiring architecture, which is a first um, and quite amazing. Yeah, because um, you know that's another thing in the industry. The industry is is the auto industry itself has long said that 48 volt is the way to go. And I don't, I'm not going to claim to understand the science of it all, but 48 volts, even though, you know, right now the standard obviously is 12, which became the standard in in 1955, I think it was. So they went from six. And and even then, like when in in the fifties, obviously, you know, the car had a radio and some headlights. Mm -hmm. That's what you powered, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, uh, but so with 48 volt, the industry has wanted to change and has wanted to trade up for years. It's nobody's made the first move. Like, cause it actually is, even though it's higher voltage, it requires less wiring or thinner wiring because there's less resistance. Like I said, I don't claim to understand the sure. science of it. Yeah. It's like more efficient power distribution. Yeah, exactly. It's more efficient. So what they're doing is like I said, the whole industry, even look at, look at mild hybrid systems. They're all 48 volt, you know, BMW, Mercedes, Everyone, anyone who sells a mild hybrid system, we're always 48 volt mild hybrids because it works, you know, well in that situation for like a hybrid system. So it's that's it is pretty groundbreaking because they're going first. They're like, we're going to we're going to get people to do this. And it's even gone so far as to Tesla had sent out an instruction manual to all the manufacturers on how to do it. Because they want the whole industry to go to 48 volts. Sure. Not well, looking into their hearts, but they, they you know, it, it, it lowers third-party and, and you know uh, supplier prices. So now Tesla is the only automotive company using 48 volt, like you know, touchscreens and and switches, all this stuff that's not actually made by Tesla. Well, it's another indication, another feather in in uh, Tesla's cap. Uh, that they've been able to do this, you know, and and for Elon, you know, he, he always puts himself forth as being very iconoclastic. You know, any standards that are there, he's kind of willing to, to challenge them. And so, you know, yeah. the 12-volt standard, which, as it turns out, is kind of, you know, run its course. Um, you know, he's willing to kind of take that leap, whereas a lot of other automakers are just waiting for someone else to do something. I mean, it applies to a lot of things that he's done. I mean, look at the whole idea of the infrastructure. We're really facing these issues with infrastructure as far as charging stations that would be available around the country, and uh, no one automaker is, you know, stepping forward other than Tesla to have created the infrastructure for themselves. 
uh, which now everyone else is wanting to piggyback onto because then none of the other manufacturers other than setting up arrangements with some of the charging uh, companies like uh, uh, ChargePoint or EVgo or uh, Electric Fire America, you know, where they had these agreements with them to provide certain amount of free charging or some charging arrangement for their their car customers. Tesla was the one who set up an infrastructure single-handedly, uh, you know, I, it's, and it still puzzles me why other manufacturers haven't been on board with that uh, themselves. Um, obviously, as time goes on, there there's things that are changing, and they change rapidly in this in this world of electric cars. Um, and now the the Tesla system is getting its own name and is becoming a, a system that all cars will be using, and Tesla is beginning to share that technology with everybody. So. Uh, you know, so yeah, this is like just another example of that of pushing the you know the limits, and uh, and you know coming up with something that everyone knows is a good idea, but they're willing to take the gamble, and uh, I think it's pretty cool that they that they're willing to do that. The other benefit to it is that you can actually go to drive you know we, we steer by wire, which is now there's no mechanical. I mean, cars have electric steering, but it's not, it's not even, you know, even in like Porsche Mercedes, it's still got a, a slight mechanical link to it. Now you can actually do full steer by wire as the Cybertruck has. I think it's the first vehicle now to do steer by wire and what they can do with it. How does it get past any of the uh, obstacles with um, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration? I know that there were some obstacles at one point to the whole idea of doing uh, steer by wire. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but the the uh, I know it has redundant motors, so I think it has two motors in the steering, so it's not a single system. But you know, I I, I was reading up a little bit about that, and and like I said, the forty eight volt architecture lets them. It, 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 so now the Cybertruck also has four wheel steering, so it actually has four steering motors if both you know front and rear have a redundant system. So one of the arguments is like, well, look at. Uh, Airplanes. Airplanes have been steer by wire for decades. Nobody's, you know, has there ever been a system, you know, not, well, maybe there has been, but, uh, you know, a, a crash or anything that's been directly attributed to steer by wire failure. And, you know, who knows? And then maybe they didn't get approved. Who knows? It's Tesla. They kind of do that stuff. You know, <laughs> who knows? They might just put it in and ask, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, yeah. Uh, beg forgiveness later. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Beg, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, and then, you know, it's a matter of now we're going to see, eventually we're going to see steer by wire, you know, breaking, I'm sure. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people cried about electric steering when it first, you know, electric assisted steering when it first came out. You know, the same arguments. Well, oh, this is going to, what if it fails and goes, you know, we're going to crash and, and, and it's not, a, it doesn't have as much feel as a hydraulic system. And, and there's a lot of the arguments, but with automotive, you know, I don't think anyone does hydraulic power steering anymore i mean maybe on heavy duty trucks but i don't even think that's the case so you know nobody pe people have been using electric assisted steering without even knowing it for you know the last decade at least you know right I mean, right certain, yeah depending on the vehicle but the leap to the uh you know by wire is sort of like it's like a remote control in a certain kind of a way in other words yeah it would be like you doing playing a game on your television you know the way you can control right, ste right. steering on a vehicle that's in a let's say a race car video game um it's a little bit like that and i think that was the concern is is that there was no 
mechanical connection at all between the, the wheel and uh, the steering wheel and the, and the uh, steering apparatus of the car. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a you know, brave new world, uh, uh, you know, to be able to take these systems that uh, are being created and, um, and, you know, the trust that we place in them. You, and it's not a whole lot different, if you really think about it, you know, to the trust that people placed in automobiles to begin with back over a century ago. Yeah, I mean that's you know it's what happens. I, I, uh, I mean t- people do resist things and and you know do you do break them and you know uh, well, learn from mistakes and stuff. I mean just steering is you know on the highway isn't exactly someplace where I'd want to find a failure to learn from. But you know I, I think Lexus actually I might be wrong. Lexus might have started the steer by wire on the uh, on the RZ series. I'm trying to think. I know Lexus was toying around with it. Uh, you know, they might not have beat them by that much, but because they also are, they're also doing the yoke, which I think is hopefully a, a passing mm-hmm. fad. And uh, and you see that in the Cybertruck, it doesn't have a yoke steering wheel. You know, that's another that was another Elon Musk thing where the yoke steering wheel was his baby and he loved it and said it was great. And, oh, it's great. This you you'll, once you drive it, you'll you'll get used to it and you'll never want to go back to around. Like he he really pumped that, right. you know, promoted that. He loved that yoke steering wheel. And it ended up that a lot of customers uh, reverted back to a regular steering wheel after they owned their Tesla and realized they didn't like yeah. the idea of having a yoke steering wheel. Right. And now now it's an option on, on like the Model S Plaid, mm-hmm. the yoke steering wheel. But the, the Cybertruck has sort of like a combination of the two. It's sort of like a square steering wheel. It's like a yoke, but they added the top mm-hmm. part. And one of the things that, again, going back to electric steering, now the Cybertruck has variable rate steering. So if you're in a parking lot going at parking lot speed and you want to do a U-turn, you can only turn the wheel 180 degrees and it changes how much it actually turns the wheel. So you're in a parking lot and you don't have to do hand over hand anymore. You just turn the wheel up basically like a full turn to the left and the wheels will go all the way to the left. So when you're doing tight corners, and I was reading, of course, we haven't driven it in probably decades before we drive it. But, you know, some of the reviewers, they said that it was super weird to get used to because now your your wheel isn't exactly connected to, you know, what you're doing. It's you're turning the wheel so much and the, the front wheels are turning a lot. But they said it's a, it, it, maneuverability wise, it's awesome. Like it, it, it right. works right. really well. The thing has a super tight turning radius in a parking lot. I think it's on par with the Model S, which, you know, uh, for a, a lifted truck with big tires, that's that's a long one too. It's pretty right. long. Uh, and it's pretty impressive, you know. And that's all comes back to steer by wire. And now you're going to see it's it's typical either Tesla or Mercedes or somebody comes out with an innovation, and you're like, wow, that's crazy. That's but that's a hundred thousand dollar vehicle. And then all of a sudden, five six years later, n- now the regular right lap, right. You know, look at all the stuff like like you know, look at all the stuff that comes in a Hyundai Elantra. <laughs> you know. Uh, a lot of that stuff was luxury car, you know, equipment five years ago. So I do have a question about that, though, um, that type of steering. You know, like in a evasive maneuver moment, like where you're on a highway, and let's say that the system has, you know, changed that re- relationship between how much you turn the wheel and how much the ste- how much you turn the steering wheel and how much your wheels turn. 
if you need to make a very quick, uh, abrupt, evasive maneuver, like you know someone dropped a, a bumper in front of you on a highway or something off their truck, um, that you know you wouldn't want it to be going. Oh well, he's going eighty miles an hour. Uh, well, let's say you know speed limit seventy miles an hour, and uh, you know so it doesn't turn as much when you try to make that um, evasive maneuver. I wonder if they programmed that to detect certain kind of like rapid movement of the wheel at high speed as being in, indicative of an evasive move versus, you know, saying, oh, well, no, 80 miles an hour, we only turn the wheels this much when you when you yank the steering wheel. Um, so I would, hmm. would kind of, you know, wonder exactly. I, can, I, I understand how some of the, what you're saying, the test drivers saying that the, it takes a bit to get used to it. I would imagine that it would take some time to get used to that kind of steering. I, um, I just have throw that question yeah. out there of, of um, whether or not uh, all scenarios have been tested adequately to uh, make it so that it's uh, user friendly. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I, I, they have to have factored that in, like the speed of your hand movements. Or, they had to. I would hope right, so. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I, I would imagine, you know. Well, hey, we haven't talked much about how much uh, power and payload and all of that good stuff that the, this oh, truck yeah, might have and, and, and comparisons yeah. with uh, uh, some of uh, the few competitors that would be out there. Right. Well, I'll, I'll just make a quick mention of the rear-wheel drive because there's not a lot of specs out there on the rear-wheel drive yet. Matter of fact, they've only got range specs. They're saying 250 uh, acceleration, 6.5, 0 to 60 time, and uh, 7,500 pound towing capacity. That's really all they've got out for that. So we'll kind of skip over that because not really much out there. And they don't actually, there's, there isn't like a lot of horsepower numbers out. Well, car and driver do have what they list as horsepower numbers, although I don't know where they've got these numbers mm -hmm. from officially. So they're saying that uh, the dual model, the dual motor all wheel drive, which is the base mo model, so to speak, currently is about 600 horsepower at uh, the where the tri-motor cyber beast is what it's called the cyber beast that's the top of the line trip is the is about 845 horsepower so uh, yeah, that sort of outdoes uh, yeah, the competition uh but you know up when you're up up over 600 horsepower i mean does it really matter that much i mean unless you're you know unless that's like the one of the principal reasons you want to buy a vehicle because it has you know, super tremendous horsepower. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, with any car, it's like, you know, you, you don't even use a fraction of most that. Most of the time. You know I mean, yeah, it's yeah. like with most my of Mustang. The time you don't. You know, I've got a, my Mustang's an EcoBoost four-cylinder, and people are like, oh, you should have a V8. It's like, yeah, but, you know, I don't use that power all that much. I, I, I live in a hilly area with a lot of turns. I, I, the car was good for that. But, you know, it's 300 plus, so it's what, almost 400 horsepower out of that. It's like, what more? I don't need, I love it. You know, it's 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 great to get in one of these cars and you, you know, especially electric cars and you do the launch, you know. We always do that when we get one of these cars, go do a little bit, find a nice remote area, do a couple launches maybe. But then it's like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm over it. The only car that, that I think encourages you to do it that I've driven recently is the Genesis GV60 because it's got that stupid button on the steering wheel, oh, yeah. which I love and hate. It's got the little boost yep. button, so you hit that boost button, and it and it gives you the max power, and and it and you feel the difference, and that makes it fun. It almost gamifies it, you know. 
by the number, what I'm seeing is is that the um, the cyber beast, as they're calling uh, uh, the dual motor and tri motor, oh, the tri motor is the cyber beast version. Yeah, the tri motor. Um, that'll cost you up or upwards of a hundred thousand dollars, and produce eight hundred and forty five horsepower uh, with over ten thousand pound feet of torque. But you know it's interesting with that much torque too. Is is that the what what is the towing capacity about eleven thousand pounds? I think is what I was reading on that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it was eleven. Sorry, my computer froze, so yeah. I can't uh, pull up my. You know, so here. I mean that's a respectable amount. You know, if if you know you're serious about why you're buying a truck for the purpose of what you know trucks can uh, deliver that you wouldn't get from an, uh, a typical passenger vehicle. Uh, you know, that's uh, certainly com making it a competitive vehicle. And those competitors, uh, I mean, the list is, is narrowed down these days, I think, to what just the, the Ford F-150 Lightning and the, the Rivian uh, R1T. Yeah, the, the R1T pickup is. So, you know, it's always this like, you know, it's funny because it depends on who you talk to. It, it's like how these things stack up to their competitors. So like if you Tesla fans on Twitter, which I've avoided for, I haven't gone on test. I haven't gone on Twitter at all, really any at all, but I went for, because we were talking about the cyber truck, I was on Twitter and uh, the Tesla fans haven't changed any. So no matter what Elon says or who he insults or who he tells to F off, those fans are right there. Like go, go King. <laughs> but the, um, it, so um I was on Twitter and the, and the, you know, the fans are like, everyone, this is going to revolutionize the truck industry and everybody's going to want this. And, and it's like, yeah, but not really. I mean, you know, look at the F-150, the F-150 lightning is great. I love that. I, I love that truck. It's, 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 it's I, I would own one if it was cheaper, which I'm sure a mm -hmm. lot of people say, but the, um, you know, that is still a work truck. Like, like you could sell that to a fleet. You could go into a fleet manager or you know somewhere at say you know somebody who uses a lot of trucks a lot of companies will use obviously they'll have vans and heavier duty trucks with in large fleets but there are companies like supervisors drive these and, and maybe like pool cleaners you know people like that or you know just to, off the top of my head industry somebody who doesn't need an f-250 mm -hmm. you know you could you could go to a fleet manager and be like well this is the this is the lightning there's nothing different about this truck than the one you have other than the powertrain you can use everything you bought for that f-150 and put it in here you know, all your equipment, all your racks, your storage, your ladder racks, anything can go from an F-150 to a Lightning. And what you get is a truck that has even more capability because it has the benefits of the electric, you know, the, the hidden storage, which I think is a great benefit on the F-150 and, you know, the plugs in the back. So you get all the benefits of it. With, with a Cybertruck or even a Rivian, you can't really, you can't go to a fleet manager and convince them to buy a Cybertruck, you know, to replace his fleet with Cybertrucks. Unless you have a company, of course, that wants the attention, you know, like companies that have promotional vehicles, I could see these things being, I, I, I expect these to be wrapped in company logos all over the place, you know, like, like radio stations, sure. for instance, they yep. use vans with the radio station name. Not that there's any radio yeah. stations left, but, you know, going for the attention, I could see. Right. And this thing is attention. You know, it's, these are going to be wrapped. The company's going to buy these and they're going to be wrapped, but it's not going to be fleet sales. It's not going to be like what you find you know, I think, too, back uh, when the Prius first came out, uh, that you know, there was so much talk about, oh, it's too futuristic. There was just a lot of, like, naysayers who, you know, just were criticizing it based on the way it looks. And it's easy to do that with a Cybertruck right. because it's so 
uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to refrain from using the word rev- revolutionary because I don't really think it, that the look of the truck is revolutionary. <laughs> it, it's a kind of truck that is uh, clearly intended to be futuristic. So uh, that's not a you're not uh, you're not slinging anything at at Egon. Um, Egon. You're not slinging anything at Elon when you call it futuristic because that's exactly what he intended it to to be and to look like that. Right. So, w- right. That's what he. That's what he originally described it at as. Even before they showed it, he he described it as. He he said it was something akin to uh, an armored personnel carrier of the future. Well, that's you know, what he called and, it referred to it as. That's before. Yeah, and it begs the question: Is like, what does his future look like? You know, I mean, what is what is you know, you know in, in his mind, <laughs> he, the way he's picturing the yeah. future. Um, I don't know. I I think that yeah. maybe he might be a little bit too far. Uh, out there in his, well, as I said earlier in in this broadcast, uh, you know, in his cynicism, and I think that that kind of shows a yeah. little bit in the design of the truck as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't actually design the truck; he approved it. It was actually, uh, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. I can't, uh, he's the the one. The Tesla yeah, he, had he's the one that threw, threw the the baseball uh, at the truck uh, in in the launch. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I can't think of his name. I can't think of his last name, but. He, uh, he he did the initial design and what they, they you know, because they had a conversation about if Tesla did a pickup truck, you know, Tesla looked at trucks and, and truck design hasn't changed for 100 years, you know, or whatever, and, uh, or 80 years or whatever. So, you know, how could they do something that was still a truck but different? And then they looked at a lot of, uh, they happened to have a Lotus Esprit at the design studio. So obviously you can see a little bit of inspiration from something like that. And they looked at a lot of cars from that, that era, a lot of the wedge shaped cars, the Lamborghini Countach, the DeLorean, they looked at like a lot of those things and, and they, they, um, they took inspiration from that and they kind of, you know, created a mood board with that sort of stuff on it. And then they looked at like Blade Runner, you know, the movie Blade Runner where they, you know, that future eighties. So in a way it's funny because it's futuristic and they told it as that, but it's, it's eighties futuristic. <laughs> it's if you Good went point. back to the eighties, if you went back to the eighties and said, draw me what we're going to be driving in, you know, 2023 for trucks. And somebody would have uh, looked at what, what was out there at the time. Look at 70 around 79 when, you know, car design really started to change. And, and again, the DeLorean was introduced, the Countach was introduced and, you know, the Countach was specifically designed to, turn that supercar world on its head and it did you know after that everything looked like that right right you know i hope that's not the future here uh but you know it, it, it I, I get it like I, you know the whole like i said styling is subjective with the whole styling of it i kind of like the way it looks in the front but i hate the way it looks from the side i think it looks too long so it's like you know that's my opinion who cares you know i i wouldn't buy one based on style but i might buy one just to make people crane their neck and go what the hell is that well <laughs> you, you know, know uh, uh and i think a lot of people will do i that, think you know? for me is is that the angularness is just way too geometric and uh you know while that's kind yeah. of uh you know what they were going for and uh, you know i i right. you know, I, I don't think i could, i would want to criticize it based on uh you know just sort of a uh you know oh i didn't i don't like the look um I, for me, is is that uh, it, it, it lacks a certain kind of gracefulness in, in it being so geometric, and uh, you know, so that's I think that's where, uh, for my eye, that that's where it's not as appealing to me in that. Uh, by the way, I just looked it up. Uh, the chief uh, designer Franz von Holzheimhausen, 
Franz von okay. Holzhausen. Um, so, okay, so now I don't feel so bad not remembering his last yeah, name. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, right. You know, and I had just seen this, uh, you know, as I was reading a few things before we went live with this, and uh, I didn't remember it either. So uh, my apologies to Franz yeah. and, um, and to Elon uh, in that respect. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, you know, I think you hit, really hit it on the head there when you said it's kind of like it, it's like someone's idea of the future if, if they were living in 1980 or in the 80s. Um, yeah. Hey, listen, we've kind of run this. We've run this thing through the ringer. And uh, what do you say that we kind of wrap this up? All right. Uh, yeah. The only thing uh, I'm trying to think, we, I, I did have a short list of, of like, again, like sort of promises and, and what, you know, we, we don't have to like dwell on them too much. I, I was just because uh, that was a thing. Like a lot of people, there's a lot, a lot of headlines about it. About like, I've seen a lot of headlines of what it doesn't have, what it didn't come with, right? Like it's getting knocked for that, uh, for for, uh, for broken mm -hmm. promises. So so I can kind of see, you know, I could see people's points about about it. But you know, people are you know also not giving it a chance as far as driving it. Like we haven't driven it again. Like. And we probably won't for a long time if we ever get to drive it. But organizations like Top Gear, Top Gear actually sent, which is really bizarre if you know Tesla history, because Top Gear got one of, you know, Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear, when they when the Tesla Roadster first came out, they they heavily critic like they, they faked the whole thing where the Tesla Roadster ran out of power. And it created a lot of negative press for Tesla, which is kind of ironic. It's, it's really ironic, really, because, you know, they gave Top Gear a car to use. Top Gear put it on the track, and then they did a whole little skit about the car running out of power. And Jeremy Clarkson, I think, had to walk back to the you know garage. Like they, they did a whole thing out of it, uh, knocking electric cars. And then that's what sort of led to Elon Musk's phobia of automotive media. Like he doesn't like automotive media. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't cater to them. Like you know, if, if this was a Ford, there would have been a giant launch party where. You know, all the top automotive media would have been flown out to a, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, a luxury mansion in, in Arizona and driven around, you know, dirt tracks for three days. And uh, but that doesn't happen normally. But with this, they did. They actually let a couple media people in to drive it. The Haggerty was one of them. Top Gear, which I found was really strange. And and they, they really, you know, they, they gave it a fair comparison. They said it drives really well. You know, its visibility is pretty good. I mean, out of the front's a little hard because the nose is so swoopy. But when you look at an F-350, I mean, look at the nose. Oh, you just had the, you know, the Raptor, which we might talk about a little bit. The nose on that's humongous, and they put a hood scoop on top of it. So, you know, you can't say that any truck is better visibility-wise. That's one of the things I like about the design is sort of that cab-forward uh, orientation where you can you can see out a, a lot better than, it, even though it doesn't look like it. Uh, the uh, from the few reviews I've read, they said the visibility is actually really good. You know, in certain circumstances, it's hard to see out the front because you're sitting so far but, back. You know, but, getting back to the broken uh, promises, though, um, you know, we already talked yeah. about the starting price. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of like a, a that's a broken price. From, yeah. Price is a big one. Yeah. And then the second one was 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 the, the the body itself. So you have the exoskeleton, the stainless steel exoskeleton. Now, Elon Musk has had, had he's always called it an exoskeleton. Now, when you say exoskeleton, you think of like a lobster, right? I mean, if you took a lobster shell off, he's, you know, he's dead. <laughs> he's not going to, you know. So, like, uh, it, it depends on that whole outer body as as their structure, so to speak. So 
when he first talked about it, there was, they made a, there was a lot of hype about how this was going to be like an origami. I think Elon Musk referred it as origami, and it was going to be a solid piece of stainless steel that was bent into the shape of the truck, and that was going to be the body. And I think his definition of exoskeleton has sort of evolved since they probably realized that that is ridiculously impossible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, look at a McDonald's burger package, right? The cardboard box that it came in. Imagine just trying to make that out of one piece of stainless steel. Like, you couldn't do it. Like, it would be so hard to fold and, and bend up, you know? It would be, like, ridiculous. So so what happens now is, is so now it's it, it sort of evolved to this, where it's got the structural battery, like, you know, like the newer, like the Model Y and, and such, and it's got castings that hold, it, it's, it's basically just like the Tesla Model Y and Model 3. It's got the battery in the middle, and then it's got the mega castings, and then the body is on top of that. Is, is on top of that sort of steel, just like a regular car. You take that st- stainless steel skin off, and it looks just like a regular Tesla. That's you know, being frame wise, it's got the steel, steel, the steel cage sort of, and then you know the. the... Is that a unibody, or is it actually a body on frame? It is a unibody. Um, it, you know, it was originally supposed to be this completely different thing, but it. it but the thing is, the stainless steel body actually does act as some structure. So I was, you know, so so they, they didn't, you know, it's like, were they misleading or were they sort of lying about it? And and um, I think that they, they intended on doing it, but it sort of just, they learned that it wasn't going to happen that way. And now it's sort of made more traditionally. And it, it is, so it is, it is a unibody, but it also has the benefits of, the structural battery pack and the mega, you know, the, the front and rear castings, just like a Model Y. When you look at Model Y and Model Three, they're super. Oh, uh, Model Three hasn't switched yet, I think. But the Model Y is really stiff. Right. The construction is really stiff. Well, so, when you add stainless steel onto that, it does certain points of that body add uh, torsional strength or stiffness to the body. Right, and and Elon talks about that, you know, in in the launch, where you know. He's kind of touting it as, you know, like being stiffer than any other truck um, and with more structural rigidity. But, the, you know, the, the thing is, I think it's a little bit of a spin from where he, they were originally. You know what I mean? In other words, because he can claim that, and, and perhaps it does, uh, you know, I haven't seen the numbers. But if, if, it, if his numbers are correct and, and that he's saying that it has greater uh, torsional rigidity than the, the competition, um, that's great. Uh, fantastic that he's able to do that. But to then, then you know, kind of use the, yeah. the, the that whole exoskeleton thing as as a, you know, put a spin on it now that because he's got something that is turns out to be better, which is okay, you know. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Like, and, and he uses he he used it as a crutch recently at, at a shareholders meeting. That's one of the things that annoys me about this whole thing. About that is you know he you know he blamed that design uh, uh, or blame the delays on that design and he he blatantly makes it sound like you know and this was uh, in, in a meeting from uh, from this year you know he he a shareholders meeting when asked about the cybertruck he said quote you know so the cybertruck is a hard car to make because it's such a radically new design you just can't use conventional methods of manufacturing we had to invent a whole new set of manufacturing techniques in order to build an exoskeleton car, base car, instead of an endoskeleton base car. So 
you know, if he had said that in 2019, you know, it's fine. But he said that in 2023, when he knows for a fact that that's not the case, and he's telling shareholders that, and that's what kind of annoys me about that whole thing. But, oh, and and also too, just the idea of like and said instead of an endoskeleton-based car, you know, when when is when right. is uh, you know. When is anyone other manufacturer going to describe their car as an endoskeleton-based car? And what does that mean? You know, <laughs> right, what, right, what does right. that mean? They're, what would an endoskeleton-based car look like? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't quite see the the, the connection he's trying to make there. <laughs> right. And, and actually, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's kind of a stupid quote uh, just on that alone. But you know, I mean, this is where it's like, why did he just own up and say, you know, we couldn't make that work, but we did something that's just as good. You know, here, here we've yeah. got this vehicle. It's strong. And, and like I said, the reviewers have, have praised it for how how much torsional strength or rigidity it has versus a regular pickup right. truck, you know. So, I mean, and the only other thing, I, you know, I did have a long list of, of these sort of promises and sort of misses, but I think I'm going to just put them into an article that we'll put on rpmnewsweekly.com. That sounds good. So we'll just touch on the last thing. The last important thing would be would be range. That's pretty relevant. And, and again, you, you're, at the launch, they were talking about 500 plus miles of range. So uh, 500, mi 500 miles of range in the top trim, as, as, they, as they said. But now we're, we're seeing that the top trim is going to be about 320 miles. The mid trim is going to be 340 miles. Uh, and then they introduce this like weird range extender. And they're calling it a range ex extender, which really is confusing when, when we say range extender usually when you're talking about it like within a, one of the bmws or, or with a chevy uh chevy volt i guess the, you wouldn't really call it a range extender in the volt right or, or the bmw i3 yeah. the bmw right, i3 exactly. had a range extender it was just a little generator so but this is a battery that bolts into the bed so now you've lost a third of your bed for battery space so and that supposed supposedly will bring the range up to 470 miles which is still underneath the the 500 mile promised but still better than what you'd get from the lightning or the rivian because the lightning and the rivian i think fall right into the top tier lightning and rivian fall right into that sort of 320 right. to 340 range uh and then it remains to be seen whether you'll actually get that uh, out of the cyber truck because it is it's heavy yeah well uh the uh, the alleged future is upon us, and uh, we'll have to see how all this pans out. <laughs> and stay tuned here to EV Power Podcast for more information, not only in the Cybertruck but everything that's happening in the EV EV world. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see if the drama, you know, if there's any drama in the launch, because you know that there's always got to be something. Right. There's always some issue going on. So, do you have a wrap for us, Peter? Ah, a wrap as in we're out of exactly. hand type wrap. What do you think? Yeah, I guess uh, we can wrap it with that. We just wanted to kind of do a, a little quick cyber podcast, cybercast, you know, highlighting this this because it is sort of an important vehicle, and and we'll you know we'll see what happens, and maybe someday we'll get to drive one. But we'll try to stay positive. So uh, that's it for the EV Power podcast this week, Rich. I will see you next time. Kind of wanted to get into uh, upcoming uh, tax info. You know, the tax changes are coming in January. That'd be so a great topic. Get into that. Also, we should do a rundown of the upcoming or, or you know, the model 2024 model year electric cars. You know, what's out there for EVs, what's coming, because there's still a lot coming. And, but, you know, there's a lot of tax credits. I think we're going to see a lot of, I think you're going to see a reversal uh, in early 24 of, of 
when the new models hit and when uh, you know the new yeah. tax credits kick in, the new tax breaks. Okay. So uh, we'll catch you next week, I guess. All right. Look well, forward next, to next it. Next time. See you next time. Right, see you next time. Thanks for joining us on the EV Power Podcast. If you'd like to hear more automotive news that goes behind the headlines, check out our other podcast, RPM News Weekly. Or visit us at rpmnewsweekly.com. 